0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
1: You're listening to episode 460 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin.
0: And I'm your co-host, Brian Mariani.
1: Paul, I'm going to need a drum roll, please. So after looking at all of the episodes of the Ruby on Rails podcast published in the last year, a fun fact that I'd love to share is that episode 419, Rails Hiring is Still Hot, was our most listened to episode last year. So back by popular demand, Brian Mariani is back to give us the state of the Rails hiring market for 2023. Take it away, Brian.
0: All right. Well, good to be back on here together. Glad that last episode was so highly listened to. I imagine this one might get some listeners too. Yeah, we'll have lots to chat about. It's certainly an interesting market out there. The way I've been describing it lately is choppy. You know, there's a lot of layoffs going on, that's for sure, but still hiring going on as well. So we'll touch on all that and take it point by point as we go.
1: I love that. So we're going to start with a not so easy question, which you've kind of touched upon already. This year already feels really weird. I mean, it doesn't get any weirder than, you know, 2020. But essentially, Brian, aside from the layoffs, like what's currently happening?
0: Well, obviously, all the layoffs are happening. It you know, It's interesting. I would say to lead it off, if you are out of work, you are not alone. But do not fear. This too shall pass. And we can talk about some of the history that I've had with that other recession, stuff like that. But yeah, there are always different phases to layoffs in a mild layoff, for example. Sometimes the companies just lay off their worst performers or candidly people who are just not great culture fits, that sort of thing. And, and I've experienced that. And sometimes, you know, in a mild layoff, it can be a little tricky as well because if you are one to get laid off, you tend to think it's you, not them. And I've heard developers struggle with that a little, but we are not in a mild layoff, that's for sure. And interestingly, these layoffs have been going on longer than we realize, as you alluded to earlier, the August episode, I know we were talking about it. It's just funny how the weeks and months go by and you realize it's still going on. I will say, this is kind of anecdotal information, but of all the calls I have every week, I can pretty confidently say that I've been hearing these layoff calls since August, but it really hit its sort of fever pitch from November through January, almost all the way through January, but not quite, which we'll get to where, you know, no joke, eight or nine out of 10 calls out of every 10 would be someone who's been laid off. Interestingly, that has changed a little bit. I would say in certainly in February and even toward the tail end of January, if we had to put a number on the percentage of calls I'm having with engineers who are laid off, it's more of like a 50 to 60%. We're already starting to get back a little bit to just developers who are employed, but might be looking for a change. So I'm not sure if things are consolidating a little bit or whatnot, but that's kind of what we're seeing in the market right now.
1: I am a fan of LinkedIn, whether or not you like it or not. It is a good source to see what's going on. And I have seen some anecdotal stories. I saw someone who got laid off from a company in September. They brought them back in December and they just laid them off again this month, which is an absolute bummer. But then I'm also seeing stories of people who are getting laid off and they realize that maybe they were underpaid and not happy and they're starting to find roles that make them a lot happier. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is definitely situations where people are getting eliminated because they've been redundant. But for the most part, I'm not really seeing that from my actual Ruby on Rails developer network. And I'm curious what you're seeing.
0: Yeah, in some ways, it honestly feels like a little bit of a reshuffling of talent in a way. Yes. Another trend in the last month or month and a half or so, there's just been a lot more interview activity among candidates like previously, like especially through around the holidays, which can be slow anyway, of course. But around then, you know, I would be talking to engineers who are out of work and they didn't have much on the radar, they didn't have a lot of interviews. It just, yeah, they're a little fearful, I would say. But that has changed kind of interestingly, just even again in the past month or so, I'm talking to engineers and sometimes I'll hop on a, a Zoom call with them or whatnot and they'll say, oh yeah, which job was this for again? I've been getting so many, I've been doing so many <laughs> interviews, and I'm like, wow, well, that, that's good. That's, yeah, I'm happy to hear that. We've actually helped two engineers in the past week land new jobs, which has been great. In both cases, you, know, you would think that when we help them land an offer, that you know it's probably gonna be the one they accept because they don't have anything else going on, but totally opposite. They had multiple offers, multiple interview sessions going on, so that's great. I hadn't heard that in a little while, So I'm starting to hear more of that. Hopefully it continues.
1: So you've obviously been doing this for a long time, Brian, which I love that so much because you bring so much expertise and you know so much history around the job market. Have we seen this job market before or is this entirely new?
0: We have. So I started Mirror again, just it was really right after Rails was extracted from Basecamp back in like late 05 or 06. In 07, 2007, 2008, there was a recession then, well-documented one, which did affect tech. That, believe it or not, so far for me has been the worst one. That was a solid 10 months of, I mean, it was a grind. I mean, we were lucky to have a client at times, which we're thankful, you know, this time around is not the case, but it was a grind for 10 months. And I felt bad. A lot of times people were coming to me uh, kind of left and right to see if I could help them find something new. And whenever I had something, it would get scooped up, but we didn't have much. So that was tough. This does not feel like that. It does feel like there are more layoffs, that's for sure. Like, I just feel like I'm talking to more people that have been laid off, but there's just more hiring going on still, just more activity than I remember. Even through that stretch of November through January, I mean, we've even been busy with our clients, granted a lighter number of them, but yeah, we're fortunate that we've had homes for different people and just hearing some of the activity lately, it's just, it does feel a lot different back in 0708 was different. Then, of course, COVID, when March 2020 hit, the, the sky seemed like it was falling. And no joke, in one day, I had almost every client, almost on the same day, get in touch with me to say, don't send any resumes, we're pausing everything, we want to see what's going to happen here. You know, there was kind of a lot of panic and fear going on and whatnot, and understandably. But we did have two or three clients that kind of stayed the course and continue to hire through it, which is something we're going to get to in a little bit. But again, that we all know what happened there everyone paused and there were a lot of layoffs then too, but it was pretty quick. Three months later, it was like the exact opposite Then the huge upswing. Tons of hiring, white hot market. The demand was super high, supply of engineers, super low. And that lasted all the way through really until the fall, this past fall, where we've kind of seen a heavier layoff come into play. And now hopefully, like I said, things are consolidating a little, but you know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. It almost feels like Not to bring the stock market in, but I mean, it's related, right? It almost feels like the market is correcting itself a little bit. You'd hate to see someone whose livelihood be marked as a correction. But in some ways that's happening just because I agree, like everyone was very overzealous about hiring at really high rates. And for some companies that has just not been as sustainable because as some of these companies start to experience customer churn, that customer churn then churns into other customers. So if you're a developer tool set and you have startups that fold, now you've lost some customers and now the tooling that you use, you might be churning from. So I think we're starting to see some of that. And then unfortunately, that's led to layoffs. Now, I do want to talk about your clients and where they're currently at. I am curious if you've had any clients who've done layoffs and they've come to you and said, hey, I have this great set of engineers. Like, can you help them?
0: Yes, that has happened. People just wanted to see some of the people that they've worked alongside for so long land in a good spot. That's been really nice. Almost kind of placement favor, help some folks out. So yes, that has happened. But a lot of the people I'm talking to tend to have been affected at larger companies. You know, not always. I mean, certainly people have been laid off at smaller and midsize companies too. But the majority have been with larger companies. And, you know, our clients tend to be on the smaller to midsize companies range so again luckily we've been helping some of them fill some of their roles that they still have open others are continuing to hire full speed ahead which is good some have paused for sure kind of waiting things out and we've already got a few inquiries from some clients about the second quarter and third quarter about the potential that there could be an uptick and they might need to start interviewing folks again it's a wait and see right now but just the fact that they asked has been good because we've been checking with all of our clients like we always do
1: I'm gonna take a moment to tell you all about Honey Badger's cron job and heartbeat monitoring. How important are cron jobs to your business? For me, they are absolutely mission critical. Honey Badger monitors your cron jobs and services to make sure that they don't silently disappear. When Honey Badger is quiet, life is good. Have you ever considered implementing heartbeat monitoring? Honey Badger also makes that incredibly simple as well. Honey Badger gives you a URL, then you call the URL. If Honey Badger stops hearing from you within the configured time period, they're going to go ahead and alert you. Honey Badger just keeps adding more and more tooling that all developers need to dive into all of this. Head on over to honeybadger.io. Have you seen like any particular roles have some immunity from this current market? Do you think that developers tend to be safer? Do you think because Ruby on Rails is typically seen more as a niche job skill? Do you see that having any immunity? I'm curious what you're seeing.
0: Kind of interesting on the immunity question. So it's certainly affecting engineers, but not just engineers, engineering managers, some product focused people. It's kind of been across the board because we've been getting some reach out from some non day-to-day IC folks as well who are still involved in engineering departments, but not day-to-day coders. So it's definitely spread a little bit. I would say too, I know we've touched on this in the past and it continues to hold true, salaries matter. Some of the folks who I've been talking to have been on the higher end of the salary scale. Certainly some mid-level folks too, though, that have lost their jobs, unfortunately. But again, tends to sometimes err toward the people who make a little more, which is why, and again, we, I know we touched on it in a previous episode, You know, never to take it personally. A lot of these decisions are obviously impacted by money. But if there's another area of immunity that I could point to, it, it's more maybe the sector that the company operates in or the value that they bring one thing that we've seen and actually held true with the last two folks just last week, the two people we helped land jobs, healthcare companies like health tech companies tend to withstand these downturns pretty well. Obviously, with COVID, it was the same thing. Like those were some of our best clients. They continued to grow even while others were shedding. So that sector historically, I've recalled, has been good and continues to be good right now. Also, just the value of what it is that you produce. There are some tools that are just integral to the way companies work, and if you produce those tools, you're hard to quit. So that plays into it too. It might not have anything to do with healthcare or any particular sector, but what you're building is helping people do their jobs very effectively and efficiently, and they can't live without you, You you're gonna be okay. So it just depends. If I had to pick a sector, health tech is still doing pretty well.
1: Okay, that's good to know. We know that the big fang companies did very large layoffs and those are not Ruby on Rails, but it's still interesting to watch them. And I have this theory that, you know, Meta did that large layoff, 11,000 people, and then Google quickly followed suit with 12,000 and then Microsoft. And then we did see a layoff from GitHub. So that would be Ruby on Rails. It's just that sometimes you see these layoffs happen all together because it's like, well, that company's already in the news for it. This is probably something that we need to do. So let's just go for it so we can just get all lumped in. I agree with you, Brian. This has been happening since August. It just feels like it has snowballed significantly since December because nobody wants to do the holiday layoff. So it just feels like January and February are a bit rougher. But this has been happening. It's just whether or not it's been hitting the news or not.
0: I think you're right. It seems to come in waves. Companies just kind of feel like they have to react to the news. They're bracing for economic conditions that... May or may not happen, but they want to get ahead of it. A great example of this was COVID. And it was so hard to predict, but everyone was just expecting the worst. And the exact opposite ended up happening. And companies were having like their best years ever. So yeah, definitely tough to predict. But I think there is a little bit of that. It sounds funny to say, but it almost kind of feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways. The media really gloms onto the news. And then there's a big, you know, one company has a big layoff, then the next follows suit. But again, we saw it before. We've seen it in... Oh seven, we've seen it during COVID. So you never know what the future will hold, but inevitably we always come out on the other end. There's an upswing coming.
1: We do. I completely agree. So keeping that in mind, what advice do you have for the people that do have jobs currently? And if they are unhappy, should they hold tight?
0: Yeah. I feel like I'm answering this on a daily basis. And I hope we've got some good points here that people can take something from. So one thing I will say is I hear a lot of hey, should I just stick it out of my current job? given everything going on the market right now. Most people understand what's happening in the market. Some don't, they're just so heads down and they're like, I've heard that there's a lot of layoffs going on. Like, tell me about it. But yeah, I would say the choice on whether to stick it out or even look for a new job really comes down to your happiness level and something Mm -hmm. you touched on at the very beginning of the show here. So I will say if you are unhappy at your current job, but sort of scared to take the leap, given the market conditions and you just say, you know what, I'm kind of willing to endure this a little longer. Let's see what happens. I'll wait for the turnaround. I will say never settle for being unhappy. Really do not. I mean, one of the engineers that we just helped land a job last week, that was the exact situation for him. Just not thrilled about sort of the mission of the company, where that was headed and the products he was working on. He's just not excited to get out of bed and get to work every day. And he knew it wasn't a good job market, but he went for it, ended up landing a job. So. Definitely don't settle for that. The time is never perfect for a job change and it is choppy, like I said now, but it's happening and I'm seeing a lot more interview activity amongst engineers. So yeah, don't feel like you have to sit tight just because things are a little rough. Definitely get out there and look. Now, if you are not unhappy and maybe just curious about what's going out there, maybe wanna change things up, it's been four or five years, something like that, time for a change. I may caution against that because if you're in a generally happy situation, you're going to be picky about the next job, right? It's got to really check all the boxes for you to make that leap. And right now, there's just not as many options as there will be in, who knows, two months, three months, five months, whatever it might be. There's going to be a lot more options. So if you're generally happy, it's probably good advice to stick it out and just wait until more options become available. Then you'll really be able to just have more opportunity, more options to pick from, and you'll be in a good spot to make that change. I would say, as for the rest of my advice and sort of what's going on market-wise and whatnot, I kind of want to talk about it from the perspective of both the engineer and the employer, something both can relate to, hopefully, and, and a few nuggets could be taken away from this. But I'd like to start with the engineer. So when we think about what makes a great developer, right, I often think of like a Venn diagram with those three interlocking circles. I always say those three circles are typically work ethic, skills, and professionalism, which is also culture fit. And I feel like today, you know, with all these layoffs, we're seeing more developers than ever that sit in the center of that Venn diagram, and that's rare. That's very rare. But they're out there, and I'm talking to them, and and both of them, I would say, last week that we helped land jobs were great examples. And you know, one thing from someone I heard from yesterday, and I've been hearing with others, is they feel like they kind of are in the middle of that Venn diagram, and they're like, "How do I stand out? Like I haven't been in this position before." And what I would say there is referrals are huge. I would say when it comes to referrals, most people sort of underestimate one of their greatest assets is the people that they know, especially people that you trust. So my advice, if you have a recruiter that you trust, by all means, that's a great option. But your past coworkers, friends, there's so many connections you almost don't realize you have. But especially in this market, my advice is to be loud about asking for those referrals. I can kind of speak to that firsthand from where I sit. A lot of the clients I have, for example, it's a high degree of trust that we have in the relationship and with the engineers as well. But the clients we have, they trust me deeply and vice versa. So if I come to them and say, hey, I've just met this great engineer. She's amazing. She hits the center of that Venn diagram. Like you got to talk to her. It's an instant yes to talk to that person. So tap those referrals on the shoulder. And again, do not be shy about it. People just don't put enough value in terms of their connections and the people that they know. It, just don't be shy about asking. The referrals have gone a long way for a lot of people that I've been talking to and just kind of hearing those stories about how they're finding jobs in tough economies, that's been huge. So that's sort of from the developer side. From the employer side, I would say that the opportunity to hire engineers who are at the center of that Venn diagram, both being a technical and cultural fit like that, it has never been better. I remember it back in '07 and obviously with covid this is one of the most ripe talent markets that i can remember and the ability to sort of take advantage of that in these times if you can if cash flow is good and you know that's always probably the number one consideration but if you're in a position as an employer to take advantage of this talent pool it is such an amazing time like i often think of that Warren Buffett i think it's Warren Buffett line you know to invest when others run and run when others invest it's so true right now And we're thankfully helping clients, you know a lighter number of clients, but we're still busy. We're helping clients hire those exact types of people. So it's a real opportunity to invest. A thing I'm hearing a lot from some of the clients is that they're just swamped with resumes. We're getting so many applicants. And inevitably what I also hear is a week or two later is, all right, well, we're gonna open it back up. We've kind of caught up on some of the backlog. We're actually struggling to find just the right fit. And a lot of that is because especially in this market, you do want to hire like that perfect match, someone that checks all the boxes. And it's just a lot easier if you can sort of be handed, you know, three, four, five of those folks, as opposed to if you get an inbox of a hundred applications, and it's, just, it's very, very time consuming to sort through all that. So if anyone that's sort of listening out there has the opportunity as an employer to make hires right now, there's been no better time. And you don't have to hire 10 engineers, even if you could, you've, it might not be wise to do, but to hire one or two, If you have the ability to do it, that is not going to break the bank, but it will very much potentially help you break through that productivity ceiling, getting out ahead of the curve. Once the upswing does start, you've seen it numerous times now, just like, you know, people have the copycat mentality and you know, one layoff leads to another as soon as anything positive comes out news-wise, and the economy suddenly looks better, there's more jobs added, the interest rate isn't raised, all of those little factors, as soon as companies start hiring again, if you are out in front of that, and you've already made those one or two hires. One of our clients who was able to do that during COVID, not long thereafter, ended up going public. And it's just, you know, it was very interesting to hear them talk about some of those kind of force multiplier engineers they were able to take on that kind of collectively helped get them to that goal. So, yeah, like anything else, even in rocky times, there's always opportunity to take advantage of.
1: This episode is sponsored by JetBrains RubyMine. RubyMine is an intelligent cross-platform IDE that provides all essential tools for Ruby and Ruby on Rails developers out of the box. It offers smart code completion and analysis, easy code navigation, safe automated refactorings, an interactive debugger, Git workflow support, database integration, and many other tools. All tools are integrated together in a highly customizable, productive, user-friendly environment. To get a special 20% discount for the listeners of the Ruby on Rails podcast, just enter the discount code RAILSPODCAST during the purchase. You can apply this discount to JetBrains All Products Pack and use IDEs of your choice. Link will be in the show notes. Thanks to JetBrains for sponsoring the show. So much to react around that. So, first of all, from the developer standpoint, if you are not happy, you should absolutely look for a new job and you should be picky about it. Now, because the market is so weird and because these layoffs have made the headlines, there is absolutely no reason that when you have that initial call with a recruiter that you do not ask them about their layoff history and how they would be immune from having a layoff like very early into your career with them i don't think that's an insensitive question to ask i think it's smart and as we see more and more states change the regulation where you need to provide the salary up front i'm curious if you agree with this brian i think you need to be asking about layoffs and you need to be asking about salary very early on so you're not wasting anybody's time.
0: Completely agree. Yeah. In fact, I had a situation. This was probably a couple of weeks back now where we had an engineer who had an offer with one of our clients who actually didn't end up accepting it, which, of course, never an issue. But they went with another company. One thing I did ask, just because I knew our client was in an extremely good position financially, their runway is very strong, no layoffs in sight, all of those things. It was surprising to me that I had asked just about the other opportunity and asked him if he had asked all those questions and he hadn't. And I said, Hey, I'm sensing the other one regardless would be a better fit for you anyway. So I had actually advised him to take that other job, even though it wasn't my client. I know it's kind of a anti-recruiter thing to do, but we always like to just be honest. I always treat every engineer as if it was me or my brother looking for a job. Like I'm going to give him the honest advice and take. It felt like that one was better. So I said, if that one's better, go for it. But given the conditions right now, you definitely do want to check on that and ask about that. And I typically know that story with all my clients, but I think it's always better heard by the engineer. So you're a hundred percent right. That question may be kind of more sensitive at other times, but not right now. And everyone's very happy to answer it. So yeah, very, very smart to do your due
1: diligence. Well, the funny thing about me is like, if I were going into an interview and I wanted to ask that question, you better believe I've already been on Glassdoor. Knowing that question already, <laughs> right. is it, it tends to be out there and is a very positive sign to me if they, of course, admit it and explain why and give me some details about it. Just because I've been hired into companies before where they've done a recent layoff and they didn't tell me during the hiring process. And I feel like one was kind of pulled over on me, which didn't feel great.
0: Yeah, it can happen. I feel like the transparency now more than ever, it just really matters. And yeah, you'll get to the bottom of it. But yeah, come prepared for those interviews with those questions and be prepared to answer them if you're an employer. But those are super important and they're going to lead to good outcomes if you get to the bottom of it.
1: So from the client side, you mentioned that a client could have a job open. They could get 100 resumes. And then a week later after they've gone through them, they haven't found their match. And so I'd really love to dig into that, Brian. Is it because... The applicants in no way were qualified. Are the resumes a mess? Are they not using the proper buzzwords to get through the ATS systems? What do these developers need to do in order to make it to, you know, round two?
0: Yeah, there's definitely a certain percentage that just out of the gate, for whatever reason, are not a good fit. And I think sometimes engineers will, depending on the person, they might send out more resumes in a bad economy, you know, just wanting to get as many options as they can on the table. Even if it's not the perfect fit, they're still gonna err on the side of sending it. But from a company's perspective, that's not gonna be their top choice. They're gonna want someone who's fully invested, who's super interested. Like they want a candidate who wants to work at Company X for XYZ reasons. And that's the best way. And it starts right from the application process, frankly. If you don't ever recruit it, I always do that and advocate right up front with the very first intro email to let my clients know why the person wants to work there and why they're interested. But if you're just applying on your own, do that right away. It's not good enough to just send in your resume. I think cover letter now more than ever makes a lot of sense. There's some sort of intro about who you are, why you think that company would be a good fit. There might be some personal stories, just ways you can relate to what they do and why what they do matters to you or that you could get really excited about the mission of the company. All of those things are very important. The last fella who helped land a job last week. Another thing he did too is he really exhibited just great engineering traits. Traits that a good teammate would exhibit and they shined through in the interview. Things like not being afraid to learn new technologies and learn new tricks, think about solving things in a different fashion, having opinions but understanding that they can't be too strongly held. All of those things like it was just a almost a masterclass honestly of the way he operated in he really said all the right things, but he meant them. And he was very passionate about what the company was doing in health tech. He loved some of the tools they were using. He's very senior in his own right, for example. Mm -hmm. And he was saying he has this thirst for learning and to be surrounded by other engineers who he can learn from. And he's like, I'm happy to teach some of my tricks to others too, and just be very collaborative in that way. Even more so than being interested in what the company does, just showing how you can sort of, increase the team camaraderie and just kind of add to the culture of the company. Really, don't be shy about making those things known because you kind of have to, because there's a lot more competition now, which has been something that engineers haven't faced for a long time, really. I mean, something else I've been hearing is that developers say, geez, if I wanted a new job anytime over the past decade, I could apply and pretty much get it. (laughs) But (laughs) that hasn't been happening, you know, or I'm making it to the final interview and not getting past it like two or three times. So going that extra mile is just important now more than ever. And I think one of the words that I know you love is ambition. Exhibiting that is very important.
1: Well, I'm going to confess something to you, Brian, because early on in the episode, you mentioned that you have talked to developers who didn't know which job they were going on to the call for. I would immediately reject them. Of course. I don't care what market it is. You need to have your act together enough that you know who you're talking to and you've done at least a little bit of research. It's funny, I will talk to recruiters in the past where they explain the company to me and it's like, I could explain the company to you because it's important (laughs) to me, you know? Totally right. Is that common or is that how you can step ahead as a developer is to do that research ahead of time and really know what you're talking about? Like actually have looked at the job description ahead of time or is that assumed that you're going to do that?
0: it is funny, right? It sounds like a little bit of a no brainer, but you'd be surprised at how many people, and I always tell them, I say, Hey, look, I'm the recruiter. You know, when you're talking to me, if you're not quite sure of this or that, like, that's fine. But I do say, I say, but please do me a favor. (laughs) Make sure when you talk to my client, like you do have to be up to speed on, you know, what it is they do and be able to speak intelligently to some of their products. And, you know, maybe they have like a tech blog or other things. And I always share those things. So that people are well prepared. But I hear that a little more than you'd think, believe it or not. But I agree with you a hundred percent. And I have been on the receiving end of that where it could be a client that we've reached out to that person because we think they're a perfect fit for it. We see a lot in their background that could make them a good fit. And then I hop on the phone with them. And when they say, Which one was this again? Is this the company that does this or that? It does leave you with a little funny feeling, even for me as just a recruiter. I mean, it's not even my company, but it's like, oh geez, hits home a little bit. Like you didn't check it out, but you get the flip side. Then you get the people who are very well versed. And I feel like I know my clients pretty well, but sometimes they'll even educate me a little bit. And I'll be like, wow, you really dove into this and I love it. And they're going to love that. So you got to talk to them immediately. So yeah, and they get that reaction out of me because it really does stand out. And when they talk to the client, they're, they're going to get that reaction out of them. So yes, doing your homework is vitally important because you could get away over the past decade. You really could get away with not having done that much homework just enough to get by and then get through on your tech ability or whatnot, or maybe you have a good personality, that sort of thing. But that won't quite cut the mustard these days. You definitely have to hit on all those check marks to make sure that you're putting forth the best version of yourself you can.
1: Well, let's take turns and offer one question that a developer could ask, even if they hadn't done their research, that would potentially wow a hiring manager. I will go first because I've gotten this question recently and I was very impressed. The developer asked me towards the end of the interview, how will my work impact the company goals? Very clear cut, but I like the teamwork that is implied in there. And I like the idea that the developer isn't completely focused on just writing code, that the company does need to make money and it does need to hit goals. And so I really love that question. And I definitely encourage the listeners. It's a good one to ask during an interview.
0: That's a great one. Yes, yes, everyone take note of that one. I would say an interesting one is, and this gets at the cultural piece. I would ask, if you are talking to a hiring manager, I think it'd be very interesting exercise to ask something along the lines of, how would engineers who currently work at Company X describe what it's like to work there?
1: Oh, that's a good one. That is a really good one, because that is something that a recruiter should be able to answer. It doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who's on the engineering team, that is something that I believe that a recruiter should be able to answer.
0: Yeah, it takes the onus off them. And it's like, all right, yeah, how would my team describe what it's like to work here and what it is yep. we do? Like to get that sense, it's almost puts it in like the third person in a way. And I think it's helpful to hear that more so than just tell me what it's like to work for company X. How would your team describe it? Is just a different way to ask that question?
1: The last one that I would offer, because I mean, most of us are looking for work from home jobs at this point. Some of us are going back to office. That is the thing. But I always like to ask about the onsites and what the goal of those onsites are. Are they working sessions? Is it team bonding? Like, what is the point of a team onsite at your company? Because that normally gets people really excited and it's pretty easy to chatter about that. For
0: sure. And you touched on something, also a little bit of a trend that I've seen is a little more of getting back together in person. I have not had any developers yet say that they want to be onsite every day in an office. But more of them have said, I wouldn't mind, you know, having some sort of hybrid. I don't need to be 100% remote. Wouldn't mind some FaceTime. And it varies to what degree people would like that. And I have seen some employers, not a lot though, but some, I mean, it has been zero for a long time now that have required any sort of onsite presence. But I have seen, I don't know why this is, but particularly in New York, just more companies requiring a little bit more in terms of FaceTime. So yeah, we'll see if that trend continues, but by and large. I think remote's going to be here to stay for a while.
1: Awesome. Well, Brian, it is always such a pleasure to have you on the show, of course, as a co-host. And as the expert around the Rails hiring market, I so appreciate you. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up?
0: I would say keep the faith for sure out there. I know it's a little choppy, but like I said, we always see these recessions or you know, rough economic times come to an end. And it's really the beginning of the upswing where a lot can happen there's so much potential in the upswing. I think a lot of people get focused toward the apex or the height, and that's when everyone wants to hire. But right at the beginning of that upswing, there is a lot of opportunity, growth, money to be made, all of those things. As soon as you get the sense that that's starting, you can get out ahead of it with some early hires. It's very wise.
1: I love it. Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you soon, Brian. Thanks so much.
0: Terrific. You've been listening to the Rupy on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.